You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The Flyers are headed back home. After a three-game West Coast trip that saw some really highs, a few lows, and let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Backcheck Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 90 of Orange and Backcheck. So glad you are here. Make sure you're always following us, following us. And interacting with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. You can follow us on the links below in the description. And across from me, as always, is a guy who convinces me once again why the goaltending is better than average, better than we ever could have expected. Scott Weinhart, what's going on, brother? Listen, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and toot my own horn again, but you know, I am the goalie guru when it comes to this <laughs> stuff. Honestly, it just it it's not. It's not anything really when you play the position, you just get it more clicks for you. Like you can see it from that perspective. Honestly, it's what comes down to it's like when I look at a guy like Martin Jones and people are like, oh, God, I don't know how good he's going to be. And I'm like, Martin Jones played over 60 games in this league. Martin Jones has been to a Stanley Cup final. Martin Jones has been a very solid goaltender for a long time. Um, Yes, I have all the confidence in the world. I think what cracked me up is the next day people on Twitter were like, wait, after the uh, Vancouver game, the Flyers won a two-one game with Martin Jones and goal. I'm yes, like, yes, because he's played in plenty of those games before. So people gotta understand that just because guys get let go from certain teams doesn't mean they're bad. A lot of it's financial, and for Martin Jones, it was financial because they needed to find a way to save cap space, and Martin Jones was that was that guy for them. And honestly, not even just a two-one win in, uh, against Vancouver, but in Vancouver, like that's not an easy place to play. No matter how good the team is or how bad the team is in Vancouver, like it's impressive top to bottom from from that team. So that was the one of the highlights of the week. I think the I think we'll just start right with the top of this. Like you go into Edmonton looking for their trying to get their first loss of the season or force their first loss of the season uh, in Edmonton. And the Flyers came out with a team. Clearly something to prove, it seemed like whatever AV said in that locker room or on the plane ride over. I mean, they were they came to play and and, and obviously Cam Atkinson had the buzzer beater at the end of the second period to give them the lead. And, and it's just, it just seems like that that was their best. Clearly, I think that was their best game of the year so far. We'll see how it goes. Uh, obviously, the two rivals coming up later this week in Pittsburgh and Washington that usually get the juices flowing. But. I think there was a kind of an edge to them when they were going against Dreisaitl and 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 McDavid, which was nice to see. You know, I think what impressed me about that game is that the Flyers played very well defensively. And like, oh, what is what I mean is that watch how Edmonton plays. They whip the puck around. They're very fast. They move the puck around. You always got to keep your eye on Connor McDavid and trying to set up plays in front. You got to look out for Leon Dreisaitl at all times. I thought it was very impressive how they kept them contained. And when they lost contain on them, then Carter Hart was there to answer the call. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and, and nitpick the goals that Carter Hart gave up. One of them was off a of bronze skate. Nothing you can do. The other two, I mean, if you close your arm a little later on the Zach Hyman one, or I'm sorry, on the, on the one in the third period, you maybe get that one. But that one on Zach Hyman, uh, it wasn't a great goal because he went into the VH technique a little too early. I'm okay with that because. When it came down to it, he stopped. He forced Connor McDavid to go wide on a breakaway. He stopped him twice in front. 
Leon Dreisel had nothing going offensively. Yes, he got an assist on the on the Oilers' first goal, but he did nothing after that. And if Connor McDavid doesn't get that shot off of uh, Justin Bronskate, he's kept off the score sheet too. Essentially, he did have an assist later on, but it, I the fact that that team played so well defensively that night and Carter Hart played lights out when he needed to. Those are the types of games you need from Carter Hart. Like you, you don't, he doesn't need to stop every single puck. But he's got to give you a chance to win, and he gave him a chance to win. And I'll say this. You can see the difference between good goaltending and bad goaltending in that game because Miko Koskinen gave up a few goals he wants back. And if they had better goaltending in that game, it would have been a lot tighter. But Koskinen did not have a good game. Got out of position on the wraparound goal by Claude Giroux, out of position on the one where Nick Ovey-Gubel scored, a bad goal given up at the end of the first period on Cam Atkinson. And then that last one by Cam Atkinson, the slap shot off the circle, he's got to stop that. So four literally preventable goals that could have changed that game. Still the Flyers, very opportunistic about it, very strong defensively, limiting a lot of Edmonton chances, even though they were playing with fire, taking too many penalties in the, in the first period. Um I thought the effort was outstanding, and that it spoke volumes to me about what this team is this season. Again, that's that identity we talk about. Yeah, it'd be hard to play against. Yeah, and it's just one of those things where uh, I believe it. I apologize. I think it was Charlie O'Connor. I can't remember who wrote this, but it was a clash of two different styles of hockey, right? Mm -hmm. Like to your point about the the speed and the aggressiveness of of Edmonton, and then we we talked about how they're now the uh, new age broadsheet bullies. They're not, they're not the 1974, 75 flyers where they are now going to um, get in fights all the time. Every time someone gets hit rough, rough and a little bit on the edge, but it, it, they're playing a style of hockey that creates un- people to become players, to become uncomfortable. McDavid and dry were uncomfortable throughout that game. I, I think it's fair to say like, McDavid's going to get his two points a game or whatever he's averaging a yeah, season, yeah. no matter what. And that's two goals. In today's NHL, two goals alone, normally, obviously, we're going to talk in a second about how they won 2-1 in Vancouver. Normally, two, two points, two goals isn't going to win you a game. You need to enter that three, four, even five range now these days in today's modern NHL. And that's fine. But when you're creating uncomfortable, the, the uncomfortable of what this team can do in creating checks for checking and all this uh, other aspects that are offsetting the Edmonton speed and other teams' speed. That's the good thing. Like, this is a blueprint for what they should be doing against other teams. Washington's relatively fast. I mean, Boston's always obviously fast, and they have them coming up in a couple weeks here. And it's like, if they can do this to Edmonton, they shouldn't have to do it. They should be able to do it to every other team because Edmonton's probably the fastest team on ice uh, right now. Yes, Edmonton plays a lot of speed. They play fast. They play very well. Uh, I don't think it's that it's about two different styles because most teams around the league have different styles. Like the Flyers have yeah. a different style than Boston. They have a different style than Vancouver. They have a different style than Calgary. Clearly, the type of hockey they play against is not the type the, uh, the Flyers want to play against. But regardless, when you when you look at the game as a whole, it, that was just a good effort. Like at the end of the day, it was just a good effort. Guys stepped up. They put pucks to the net. They took they were opportunistic about their chances, and you caught a you caught a mediocre goalie on a bad night. And who was gonna complain about that? So um very, very positive. I see things that came out of Edmonton, how they were able to not just contain McDavid and Drysettle, and that's Edmonton's bag, and that's Edmonton's problem is that they really don't have anything besides that. Because Zach Iman's played very well as, as well, but behind McDavid and you know, Drysdale and Hyman, they don't have much behind them as far as scoring. They really yeah. don't anymore. But um, you're able to contain those big guys off the score sheet. You're going to win more often than not against against Edmonton because honestly, of the way they play. And honestly, the the goals that you were we were talking about how that Carter should have had. We're going to get to a point with Carter the way he's playing. He's already under. He's a he's I believe he's five games in. Yeah, because he's there seven games in. Martin Jones has played two. Carter Hart's five games in and his goals against average is already well below three. I think it's like a three, seven, three, seven, three, eight, something like that. It's very impressive. And it's also a nine 15 uh, save average. And we yeah. talked about last season, it's just about the league average so far. Exactly. And not even just league average. In season. He's approaching at nine twenty that nine twenty range that we call quote unquote elite yeah. goaltending, and we talked about how we wanted him approaching that, getting the road to nine twenty last season before his collapse. 
He's doing it this year right now. Like he's mm-hmm. getting there. Um, so yeah, he's going to let these little squeakers get by every once in a while where he's off, uh, off position, off his angle, his yeah. RVH is wrong, whatever me, or he's unlucky where it's a brawn going off his skate with brawn. That's going to happen. And, and sooner or later, we're just going to like shake that off. I think we're still being, a, 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 putting him under a microscope for how, um, poorly he played last year. And I think that's fair, but, but sooner or later by like, Late November, early December, I don't think we're going to be very concerned with those leaker goals. I think it's, I don't think it's a Carter Hart thing. I think it's a Philadelphia thing. I think people, yeah, put every goalie under the microscope is like, oh, you should have had that one. Why didn't he stop that one? Like, this thing's game. Well, if we're going to put, if so we're going to, and to that point, if we're going to put these te- these goalies under a, a microscope, two games in, uh, Martin Jones is flirting with a sub two goals against average. Like, it can't be denied. Same like, percentage is 941. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, That's it's absolutely stupid. absurd. I think he's at exactly 201 or 2.00. Yep, 2.01. Like, right, yeah, yeah, and it's it's just like, hey, if our goal, if our backup goalie, who's going to probably play 30 to 35 games this season, uh, is posting a 2.25, sold. We're a playoff. You're a playoff team more yeah. than likely. Yeah, and, then, and that's the thing about So the, here's the kicker people don't realize. So you get a little extra motivation when you're playing, uh, you know, at home, literally at home. Like, so Carter Hart's from Alberta. So Edmonton yeah. and Calgary he gets up for those games. Martin Jones is from North Vancouver. So that he's a Vancouver guy. So you naturally get up for that. I just was Do you think AV though. is playing that game too? I mean, obviously, like you 100%. Yeah. You oh, think, without okay. a doubt. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. That's actually his strategy move. The guy's at home. Yeah. He wants to play at home in front of his front of his parents, his fans, all that stuff. You get up for a game like that. I think because I think because I think people would have had an issue with Martin Jones playing against Edmonton. But with the mind games of them both being from North Al, Al from Alberta, you could have flip flopped either one. And it would have worked out. Obviously, Martin Jones is more connected to Vancouver than uh, than Carter Hart is. But still, I I never thought about that in terms of uh, AV playing those kind of mind games. And credit on him, like that that's genius. It's just kind of how it is around the league. Like John Tavares, like from Toronto, he went home to play in Toronto. And like, yeah, Marner is from Toronto, so like those guys, like you, you get up like more when you're in that that kind of market. I would say this about that Vancouver game, though, is that the Flyers, they that score was 2-1, but that should have been a lot more. I mean, they they just missed a couple of chances here and there. I don't they kept Halak moving all night long. I'll tell you what, especially that opening goal by JVR. What a great set play by Claude Giroux. Looks like he's gonna throw it at the net, throws it wide behind the net, it goes to the other side. Halak overcommits and going right to the net is is JVR wide open tapping in front off the pass. The fact I saw that play happen a couple times. They're doing those quick crisp crossing plays in front just to kind of get Halak moving from side to side. I was very impressed by that because that shows me this team is going to play offensively, be a lot more creative than they are than they were last year in the years past. You know. And not to knock former players, but I'll say there was a former player in the team that would probably pass too much and not make the smartest play and try to force something that wasn't quite there. You're not seeing that. These guys are playing. They they know where to go. They know where to be. They know where the puck needs to go. They're playing the air, the puck to open ice, and then they're playing through the zone. Their breakouts are much better. They're not afraid to make That's, a cross-ice pass. I'm they're, glad they're you brought that up. To, yeah, making it through the neutral zone. I watched a, I watched a Vancouver game. I was sitting there like, this is not the same team I've seen before. Like They're playing smart, fast hockey. And even though they're not putting many pucks in the net, they're getting a lot of chances, and that's just as important. Yeah, and and your point to the rush, it's like why it was. It, we really haven't touched on him. Like Ristolainen finally seemed to get his feet under him. I don't. I wasn't that impressed with his Calgary performance. It seemed like it was up and down for sure. But I mean, it, it, as long as he's getting up there. He's creating rush chances. And Ryan Ellis, Ryan Ellis is starting to be missed, I feel, despite the two two wins over this three game. I'm glad you brought that up. Nate Sealer has not has been on the ice for a no, couple of really bad plays. He he was on a really bad play. I I, I want to say it was the Vancouver goal or maybe an Edmonton, but he Calgary. was was it Calgary? Okay, Calgary. I was completely off. Get, Nate Sealer <laughs> also made a, a really bad play, which almost cost the Zach Cassian breakaway the other end. He tried to push in the puck at the blue line and yeah. it went off the skate. Bad play, and then it bounced back over. Um, and uh, what's it called Zach Cassie almost had a breakaway. He was diving in front of Carter Hart on the first goal in Edmonton. Yes, but he that's had what was I really. Remember. Yep, he was. He didn't. But the thing is, is gets that against Calgary. Sealer was on the ice. He didn't tie up Sean Monahan on the penalty kill 
where they got that power play goal to tip into for the for the one nothing lead. That yeah. was on Sealer. Sealer's got to make sure that play, that pass is covered in front and he didn't cover it. So, so Sealer's sure. had his downs. He's had his great things where yeah, we're like oh, who is this guy? He's fighting in the first game. Yeah, great, whatever. But if you're not playing in your own end, I'm going to start noticing your back of your numbers on your jersey yes. and be like, why are you on the ice? Yeah, Sealer's one of those guys where he's he's a better, he's a much better like Ronaldo type or Gudis. Like he's a seventh defenseman. He's a depth defenseman. Exactly. Like he's he's there to create create mischief in the appropriate times. Every once in a while, make a good breakout pass. But for the most part, he's more of a liability than an asset. It seems, unfortunately. If you play him every night, yes. Exactly. So sadly, this Ryan Ellis injury that I we really haven't gotten it. Like we just they just keep calling him day to day. I mean, that's getting to a concern. I mean, we talked about last week how these. These 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 offseason acquisitions and, and signings are hitting right now, mm-hmm. but they're not hitting if they're not on the ice. So this Ryan right. Ellis thing, uh, as if Ristolainen is good, but he's still finding his feet in this system, it seems, uh, coming back from his injury. And now Ryan Ellis is out, and you need him and Provorov to really start developing a chemistry because they're your top line when they're both healthy. And Ivan Provorov is obviously the Russian machine and hasn't missed a game since he started this. So Ryan Ellis out is not helping this team team right now. No, no, it's not. But I'll say this. If anything, if they were able to go 2-0-1 on a Western road swing without Ryan Ellis, it tells me this team is pretty deep and can actually stay – pretty well with the they can hang in there in the standings in a really really tough division so i'm not overly concerned about it um i just think that over down as this season goes along this team needs to maintain and stay healthy because if they they lose him for an extended period of time you're right back to where you were last year i'm floating guys in and out of different lines and and and, uh and pairings and that's when it starts to not work like, I'm curious if they're even going to put him on a rest day or a recovery day, whatever you want to call it, for one more game because you have Arizona coming up and they're just yeah. a, they're just a, a debacle. They could haven't be a won good a game. warm-up game for them, though. It could be, but, like, do you want to – I mean, then you have Pittsburgh. Do you risk him uh, re-aggravating it in a game that you can probably win without him? Because I, I didn't even think about this. This is also the return to Ghost, likely. Uh, I, I don't think he's hurt in, in Arizona. but I don't like, think he is either. Do you do you do you really want to risk Ryan Ellis getting re-hurt or re-aggravating whatever's ailing him, or do you just want to give him another three days or whatever it is to get him out on the ice before putting him out on what's it Thursday? It's it's Pittsburgh. So I'll say this: if you're if you're worried about him hurting on on getting hurt on Tuesday and yeah. putting him out there on Thursday, that tells me that three to more days is not going to do anything for whatever he's got going. Yeah, on. Yeah, but I I always am am on the lead, the side of the player getting as much rest as possible when when the the time permits. Like if like you said, they already went two zero and two one and zero in this in this road trip, which is very impressive, honestly. It's a it's a small sample because it's not usually their West Coast holiday uh, thing that they do where it's it's eight games in ten days or whatever it is. Right, right. Um, but three games in two, you're coming back with two po- or uh, four points. That's pretty successful for sure, and one of the more successful ones in the recent history. So, like, it, it the point I'm making is it, it it doesn't hurt that if yes, I see your point about like well if you're not going to play them on Tuesday, why would you play them on Thursday? My point is Tuesday's such a crapshoot of a team. Save him to rest up even longer than he can on Thursday. It's not. It's not being fearful of re-aggravating okay. it. I should say it's more just hey, rest up because you can. Okay, here's here's my counter to that. I get your point. I understand. Here's my here's my question for you. Uh, who? Which? What? Which? Who are the two worst teams in the NHL last year? Yeah. Who are they? Flyers and Detroit. Well, no, no, not just that. The two worst teams really were Buffalo, yeah, and Arizona. Like yeah. Arizona wasn't that great last year. They're not. They were. They're. They're much worse off this year. Okay, who did the Buffalo Sabers get their first win against last year? Arizona. Yes, exactly. A couple of years ago, the, the Arizona really had a very horrible start. They were like one and seven, one and eight, something like that. They were terrible. But I recall they came to Philadelphia and. If I'm not kidding, the Flyers, I think, had to beat them in a shootout. They got that tight. So I look at this and say, I don't care if a team like Arizona is 0-8. Uh, you just had it played a game against Calgary, a, a tough team where you had nothing going offensively because they play such a strong defensive style on a Daryl Soto coach team. 
They throw everything at the net. That tells me I, I need I need my top defenseman there. I need my top pairing there. So if he's available on Tuesday, you play him. You, you got to yeah. play him. And anything, it's a good warm-up game leading into Pittsburgh because even if you don't have a great game, I'd rather have not have a great game against Arizona rather than Pittsburgh. So especially because with Arizona, you know, their they're leading scorer is a former flyer, actually. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Shane Gossespierre's spears got five points. That leads the team. That's amazing. Minus it, five it, on the year. So really, right. <laughs> that shows you all you need to all know. The player, and, and that brings up, like, I, it wasn't on the note, the show notes, but, like, every major flyer that needs to be a plus this year is flirting with a plus or is a significantly high plus. I know right. Joel Farabee is a plus nine right now. Uh, I think Ryan Ellis, when he's on the ice, is like a plus three or four, maybe even higher right now. Like the players, players don't that, have a minus player. They don't have a minus player at all. Really? I thought, I thought, see, I thought. I'm sorry, Claude's a, Claude's a minus one. Excuse me. Claude's a minus okay. one. Because that I'm makes sense. The, I'm looking at the points. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong thing. I apologize. Yes, they have a couple. But really, the worst is Nick Obey-Kubel is a minus three. And he's so, been, and that's why he's been a healthy scratch the last couple of games. I mean, he's yeah. a liability. He obviously got fined for that knee-on-knee hit a couple of games ago. Um, he's become, and I think we mentioned this, he's become just a guy, like a, a 13th or a 14th forward. And you just plug him in when you're looking for a spark. Who's not going to, he's not going to give you goal scoring sparks, but he's going to give you maybe a fight or two spark. And, and I just don't see his value anymore. I'll I, say I, you this. I, I say who's surprising me. I just saw who's a minus three. You know, who's surprising me. Take a while to guess who's minus three. That's Nick. Okay. Two bell. No, JVR? he's minus one. Okay. Minus three. You'll blow it's, your mind. Well, it's not he's fair. Such an, he's one of your impact players so far. Oh, Cam Atkinson? Keith Yandel. Really? Keith Yandel is a minus three. But that's his style. That's like he's a he's a better version of Ghost. He's a more of experienced yeah. version of Ghost. A little more balanced there. But yeah, it's, he's a minus three. Yeah, especially because, I mean, he's so he his presence has been felt. And I know I don't if, correct me if I'm wrong. The plus minus doesn't affect you if it's on the power play goal. No, or, no, it doesn't. Right. It does so not. Yandel's, it's only even strengths. Yandel's presence has been really felt on the power play or correct. the penalty kill. Like that's his bread and butter, it seems. So it kind of makes sense that that the five on five would be affected and him a little bit more negative, but and, and, and it's we're not going to complain about it. No, and not only that, too, like you got to take you know, a plus minus something you can look at now and say, okay, which players are really performing very well. You know, like for instance, like Cam Atkinson has seven points, he's a plus nine. I mean, he's responsible both ends, but I gotta look at a guy like Rasmus Ristolainen. I'm like, Ristolainen, he's played five games, he's a minus one, but he's got no points. That tells me he's playing pretty well. So, as a defensive stat, I'm gonna say, okay. He's, he's been on the ice for while. He's only really given up one goal off on even strength. So I'll, I'll take that because you don't have any points to offset it. So I take that anyway. But I, I want to rewind real quick and talk about that calorie because we kind of bypassed that a little bit. Yeah. Then people kind of overreact a little bit when they lost, like, like, oh, they didn't play a good game. I kind of disagree. I don't think they played a bad game. I think they played a team that they don't match up well against at all. Daryl Sutter is a very, very staunch uh, defensive coach. Like, if you go back to the years when they when he coached the Kings, like the Flyers never beat them. Like they're just, they just, they don't, he, they're very, very strong defensively. And unless you see them often, you, you're you not really going to find a way to, to beat them too often. So they just, they were kind of, we talked about it last week. They were kind of a team that's, eh, they're a little bit, eh, they just feel like it'd be one of those games where they need to get rocking and rolling. That's exactly what happened because now they've had Jacob Markstrom, I think in five starts has like three or four shutouts. Um, he, that's outstanding. These are, they play a tough defensive system with an excellent goaltender and they throw everything at the net. So they just, they go when they crash net, crash, 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 crash. And they, they got a couple on it, but Carter Hart played a hell of a game on Saturday night. You can't take anything away from him. There wasn't one goal you could look at and say, you want that back. Like even the late one by Johnny Gaudreau changing the angle in the last second, ripped it short side. You can't do anything about that as a goaltender. So um, I don't see anything wrong with losing to Calgary. I kind of thought that would probably happen, but it's not like they and they're a good team. They're, they're, yeah, they're now they're six, one and one. Yeah, I mean, right now they're they're. I mean, and it's not like they were a cupcake game. They're not Arizona. Right. They're six one and one. They're a good right. team. Right. It's a it's a quote unquote good loss or a a, a what a, a uh, moral. Carter Hart loss. kept a minute. Carter Hart kept a minute for two periods. He kept a yes. minute for two periods. That period that game was, I think, after um, if I'm not mistaken, was it nothing nothing after one? It was zero zero after one. Yep. One nothing after two, and then they opened the gate floodgates in the third. That's gonna happen. It happens sometimes. But like at the end of the day. You know, they played overall very well. And and I think the important thing to watch with that is how Carter Hart 
despite getting peppered all that, still gave them a chance to win. And that's what you need from your goaltending, and the Flyers are getting that so far, and you can't complain about that at all. No, and and, and that's why I'm excited to see where they go with this uh, with this week. I mean, uh, the, the three main games this week, let's preview the week ahead before we dive into the broad NHL stories, including obviously what's going on in, oh boy, Chicago. Yeah. You, you have some explaining. Um, I This is also a weird schedule. I'd love to get what would you do as A.V., in terms of what you would do with your goalie tandem, you have Pittsburgh, Wash, or excuse me, Arizona, Pittsburgh, and Washington this week. Then you have Toronto on Tuesday, a week from tomorrow, the time of this we're recording this. So it's like it's kind of like a weird spacing where theoretically, if you wanted, you could just ride Carter Hart, especially if he plays well, which he has been. Or do you just keep Martin Jones in the loop because he's playing outstanding? I think that's where you got to lean, right? He's going to get Washington. Yeah. I'm going to go with. Uh... If I'm if I'm AV and I'm looking at my goalie tandem, and you want to get Martin Jones some work, but you really need your you really need Carter Hart to be your guy. I'm looking at Martin Jones against Arizona, and then on the road, I'm giving Carter Hart the next two starts. Interesting. Okay, I, yeah. I'm I'm giving him the starts now. You can flip a coin and maybe be, but you have. See, here's the reason why I'm doing this. Because you have four days, you have you have the seventh, eighth, and ninth off. You got three days rest. So then you go and play a team like Toronto and Carolina. You're probably going to split starts again there too, because you got to get Martin Jones a, a tough game. So you probably get Martin and, and Jones. You have, and that's a back to back weekend. It's Dallas on Saturday. Yeah, and then 13. So you have that there. So my my I'm looking at this is that I'm looking at Martin Jones against Arizona, and and then. Carter Hart against Pittsburgh and the Capitals. And then, you know, we talk more there. But when you get in the back of back, it's really like you'll see like Carter Hart against, you know, Carolina. And then you'll you'll start to see probably like Martin Jones against the Stars. Like the lower tier teams, like you got to throw Martin Jones a bone every once in a while. But you got to have Carter Hart making sure he's ready for those things. Now, here's the thing. I look at a team like Arizona. They scored 13 goals in the season. They've given up 39, ranked 32nd in everything. They're worse than the Kraken. So, like, that tells me that this should be a game where they should run over them. Flyers never make it that easy. Like, so I, I, they, they should beat Arizona, but especially at responding from a Calgary loss. Uh, so I'm not too concerned about that. But the question will be Pittsburgh on Thursday, a rivalry game with, with Crosby healthy. That's going to be a questionable game. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I think it's just one of those things where, it's your first one of the year. You're also yep. coming back because you're also only coming back for one game at home before you go back on the road. That can kind of mess with you a little bit in terms of the schedule, uh, just like the travel arrangements. I don't know. I, I'm just thinking from the human aspect. It's just one of those things where, crap, we're on the road, and then we're probably hopping on a plane again, and we're off to Pittsburgh and Washington, and then coming back home. Uh, so. I look Pittsburgh just got back They're overall. They're scored 26 goals in the year right there around the flyers. They've given up 25. They're an average team. I think where Crosby makes them more than average, but you always have problems defending Crosby. But what impresses me is that you've already had that game against Edmonton. If you're able to do the same thing with Edmonton as you are against Pittsburgh, you, they don't have Malkin right now. So it's, that's, you know, he's going to be out for a while. So it probably, I'd say probably around the holidays will be back around Christmas, mm -hmm. but you only have Crosby available. So still you need to be aware of him. So I think with that, that's a good way for them to kind of say that's going to be a chippy game. That's going to be a rough game. They're, you know, they're three, three and two right now. They're seventh in the Metro, you know, they're average. They're, they're, you know, trying to work through things, but we'll see what happens. So um, I do think that's a winnable game. The one with, Pitts with Washington, though. Washington's 5 0 and 3. They haven't lost in regulation yet. You're still talking to Vetchkin. You're still talking, you know, um, Backstrom's still out, but you're still talking guys who like um, some of their players as far as that are that could really score like Evgeny Kuznetsov. You still have the Tom Wilson factor, John Carlson, you know, defenseman who just can do everything offensively. Um, it's a Peter Laviolette coach team. I'm always a coin flip with these ones because there's times where the Flyers dominated the Capitals last year, and there's times that the Cap Flyers couldn't even do anything against the Capitals. So I'm looking at this week. I'm saying they can go two and one easily. And as long as you keep having one of those weeks like that, if you have three games, you're winning two of them, that, that puts you at 75% or 66%. That's, that's enough to bag enough of those points 
for you to really get to them when you start getting the slides later on in the season. Because at some point, this team's going to go on a slide, whether it's maybe this week, maybe it's in February when they really start losing points when it happens. Every team goes through it. There's also going to be teams where this team can be really hot. You don't want to get too hot too early, but you also need to bag all the points now. There's a very winnable week for them. They could even bag six points, but I'm saying four minimum, four, possibly five. So there's no reason that this team shouldn't do it. And I think with their, what they're coming up against this week, hey, listen, they they haven't shown me anything that make, doesn't make me have confidence in them. This isn't last year where something's not right. They're playing such a different style, and these guys are playing with the edge because they know their window is tight, that I think it's there for the taking. And those points, they're going to be up for grabs, and they're going to go get them. Yeah, I, I think the, the the question had always been, are they impressing us enough to get for us to be excited about them? I mean, obviously, last year, the hot start that they had before the COVID pause that they that their out COVID outbreak that really derailed their season was the start. I think this was that was kind of like the catalyst that was there at the time. I think any other cat catalyst would have triggered the collapse that that season uh, ended up being. They started off hot, but you never felt comfortable with saying this is a really good team. Like they were 11, three and one or whatever their start was. And you're like, something just doesn't feel right. They feel like they're just kind of just skating by in their wins. They're winning one goal games or when they're two goal games, they're, they just felt awkward. Uh, this season just feels different. Like it just feels like AV has them buying into his system as he's been labeled, he's a dinosaur coach. But when a dinosaur coach is getting a team to buy into a system, you get the results that we're getting right now and early. So it's nice that they're bagging these points now so they don't put pressure on themselves when that slide happens that you were alluding to. Whether it is this week or whether it's in January, February, it's not going to derail them to say, we're not good enough now. We're actually, this is who we are. We're not who we were in October when we got off to that fast start. I think this is a big test for them. Obviously, I think Washington is the bigger game. Usually you say Pittsburgh because it's Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh is not a good team. As you said, they're an average team. Crosby obviously makes them better naturally. Um, and the Malkin injury is obviously harming them. But I think Washington uh, is obviously the better team right now, and that's a bigger test. So, I'd like to see if if you're going with these split starts between Carter and Martin and you're giving Carter tomorrow night in, in against Arizona, give Martin Jones Pittsburgh. See what he can do. I mean, give the, the bigger test for Jones or excuse me for Carter is on the road in Washington because that's a hell of a place to play. That's not an easy place to play. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm excited about this team. I'm buying into them and I still am. I'm excited for everything that they have done so far, even with the losses, because the losses don't feel like heartbreak. No. Or, uh, they don't feel like, um, d- like a derailment. They don't, they, they don't feel they don't demoralizing. Piss you off. They don't piss yeah, you off. Exactly. They're not losses that piss you off. Like they should have had that one. Calgary like- kind of annoyed me because I felt like, but like you said, they were just a slog. It seemed on offense because of their defensive system in Calgary and you, yeah, you can't do much about Dallas it. Sutter coach team and you know if you if you watch enough hockey you see that you're going into a tough game like it they're already they're just they're so honed in defensively you just look at that and say that's a tough game to win like going into their yep. building and winning that game especially with last change that's a hard game to win like you, you don't get upset by losing that one but and they're a good team too like losing to good teams doesn't kill me as much as it used to because you, it's not like they're not showing the fight. You know what I mean? If they're like playing half-ass like they were last year, but you know this, this is the this is what you talk about. Is this team excited about? This is what they fix their issues. They resolve their issues. They had issues defensively. They went out Chuck Fletcher fixed them. They had issues with the coaching staff. They talked internally about fixing. They resolved their issues. They went in there and realized that hey, we're pretty dysfunctional regardless of COVID. Let's fix it. They went in. They fixed it. It's paying off. That's why I'm buying it. Yeah, and, and and honestly, at some point, I'll hope that Arizona and the Shane Gossesphere wins wins their first game. They're not, I, I hope they don't win it against the Flyers, obviously, because I want the Flyers to win as many games as possible. And honestly, you can't lose to a team like no. Arizona if you lose to an eight team, that's just gonna that's that'll why not want to piss you off. The team that I certainly am hoping for to lose the rest of their season go oh 
82, 80 and two, because they have two regulation or uh, overtime losses or shootout losses already is the Chicago Blackhawks. I hope they lose the rest of their season. Because the, the, I don't want to call it. It's you don't want to call it the Kyle beach scandal because it's not him. It's the, it's really the, uh, it's the Chicago Blackhawks. It's the Chicago Blackhawks or the Brad Aldrich, uh, scandal. I mean, Joe Quinville. Yeah. The Joe Quinville, uh, I always forget the guy that was the, the Mark Chanoffloff. Uh, the he was the he was the assistant general manager in Chicago. He was the general manager of Winnipeg. Uh, he hasn't been punished. Shovel day off. Shovel day off. Thank you. Yeah, he wasn't like, there at the time, but that happened. He wasn't part of the management staff. He's he's all free and clear. There's nothing they've talked about that at length. The, Ken Shovel day off is not responsible for this point thing he barely knew about it he heard about it but he wasn't part of management and being held accountable so we'll say this the fact that the team is being held accountable now joe quenville having to step aside stan bowman having to step aside the owners being fined i don't think two million dollars is enough it's but- not and i'll tell you i'll, I'll create i'll show an example for but continue because because i mean I, I mean this is if you if you are just catching up the kyle beach was a former player for the Chicago Blackhawks. He was sexually assaulted in the 2010 uh, Stanley Cup final run, and the team just buried it. Like that, like they ignored it. They it was basically like, how can a player be sexually assaulted? Type of deal. And it's like sexual assault can happen to anyone. That's really what this boiled down to. At, at this point, you have and you have to address every accusation, whether it's male or female, by a man, by a woman, player, coach, staff member. Uh, a concession stand person. It doesn't matter. The Chicago Blackhawks just said, screw it. We're in the middle of a Stanley Cup final run. And eventually they won the cup, ironically against the Flyers, but that's neither here nor there for this situation. It, it's just an embarrassment that those players, and or not those players, it's not the player's fault. Those upper management people have their name on the Stanley Cup while this was this this shit was going down. And they they completely failed Kyle Beach. And yeah. and honestly, it was brave of Kyle Beach to come out because initially we didn't know who this player was. He was just labeled as John Doe. And only last week, late last week, he decided to come forthright and say what happened to him and put a name on it. And that takes so much courage and bravery that you can't help but applaud him because he put a face to the name of what we were really trying to figure out was going on in Chicago. And you realized how... Uh, murky and slimy and and awful it got so i i the, it, it two million dollars is not enough uh who was it i i just alan walsh the age the one of the that agents represents several players uh a reminder that he tweeted this a reminder that gary bettman fined the new jersey devils three million dollars and the loss of two second draft choices uh two two draft choices for cap circuit uh circumvention with the Ian Kovalchuk deal. Yep. And he fined exactly. the Chicago Blackhawks $2 million. That's Gary's message. Circumventing the cap is more it's egregious more than covering up alleged sexual assault. I mean, that's what that's it right there. He's 100% right. He's been, look, the fact the NHL did something says one thing. The fact that they didn't do enough still says nothing about that's something even more important. That's hockey's culture. Like, yep. You know, it's not just what, hockey's culture, and 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 I know it's, it's specific culture. to it's just it's sports, it's men, it's it, it's whatever you want to label it as. It's it's masculine, it, it's NFL, it's sports, or excuse me, it's NHL, it's sports in general. To your point, yeah. Well, I mean, look what happened two weeks ago, John Gruden. I mean, let's be yeah. real; like it's on the same lines. Like you know what I mean? Like coming out and saying like with Carl Nassib, like hey, we support you, like all that stuff, and then turned out years ago he's sending out emails, you know, saying slurs and all this stuff, like. You know, maybe I'm wrong in a sense, and I did speak on that for a second. Maybe I'm wrong in a sense where, like, you know, you're looking at something that is not acceptable. Let's be honest. But I think that, you know, for the Kyle Beat situation, it's different. Like, I'm not trying to compare apples to apples. Like, the John Gruden situation is different from the Kyle Beat situation. John Gruden had emails released about things that he said that, you know, were in emails that were private conversations that got out in the media and then it cost him his job because that's what it was. They were from 10 years ago. I think people have a tendency to look through things that happened 10, 15 years ago in a lens through now that aren't deemed acceptable. But back then, nobody challenged them. So, like, it's wrong. Don't get me wrong. There's no questioning the fact that these things are wrong. But the Kyle Beach thing is different. That's why I mentioned that. Like, 
not I'm not defending John Gruden, but the Kyle Beach thing is totally different because that was a sexual assault that was covered up. It was intentionally covered up, but they were right. more concerned about winning the Stanley Cup than actually looking out for a player. And there was a lot of slam articles that came out because don't forget Kyle Beach is a first round pick. Yeah, there was a lot of things that came out and saying like, you know, this guy is not good. He's a and, bust. Yeah, right. J- just now it the, makes more sense why his right. career derailed. For the context of the story, to label him a a bust was more of a convenient factor than maybe just the fact that he wasn't in the mindset to play the game he was drafted to do Correct. because of what he was put up against Correct. from the Chicago Blackhawks organization. 100%. 100% agree with you. And like that's the thing is that that's that needs to be held fully accountable for that. But like you know, we talk about like, you know, the the culture of certain sports things like okay, there's a couple of examples. The John Gruden situation is one. The Kate Smith situation is another one where, you know, Kate Smith said some, sang some pretty awful songs when you go back to it. They were pretty, pretty brutal. She was a legend here in Philadelphia. But the key is, is that I give these teams credit for going out of their way and saying, this is wrong. This is as abhorrent behavior as people like to put it. And and make changes. I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay if that's the decision that they want to make in sports to kind of say, hey, you know what? You're right. It was a long time ago when it was accepted, but it doesn't change the fact it was wrong. It was just accepted. There's a difference. This is a different story in a sense where someone it was privacy and someone's person was put in physical harm, their mental health put in physical harm, and you went ahead and covered it up because you thought winning a trophy was more important than a human being. That's that's where it dehumanized it to the point where it's just downright deplorable. Like it's disgusting. Like you just, you can't treat people like that. You know what I mean? You can go back 10 years ago and say, you did something wrong. You need to be held accountable for, for something you said or something you did that was offensive to somebody. Okay, fine. Whatever you agree with it or not, you people that's, that's where we're at in the world and you have to live with it. But I think just the fact that they just find them $2 million, the fact that, you know, it's just like now it's all coming out and, you people are heads are rolling now, but that's all that's going to happen. You know, what else is going to happen out of this? Like that, that's, that's the thing I'm curious about it with, the, with the Kyle beach, with the Kyle beach story is that, you know, yes, Stan Bowman stepped down because he loves the organization too much. Joel Quenville steps down because, you know, he needs to, he can't be in the public face with anymore. That, and that's the reason why that's not enough. Like right. you ruined the guy's life. Like you need to be held more accountable to that. Like, you need to, to come out and say, do more, and you need to become a more active against it. This isn't someone throwing some sort of slander or offensive things around that were wrong to begin with. You ruined a life. You ruined a life. That guy worked his ass off his entire life to get up to the NHL, and then you wound up doing that. I, and I have a major problem with that. I have an absolute major problem with that. Yeah, it, it's awful, and there's nothing more to be said I, I, uh, of that that situation. I think, th- like I said at the beginning of this, I hope the Chicago Blackhawks lose every game for the rest of their their, their games because it's what uh, they're oh seven and two, something like that. And it's just, I hope they lose the rest of their games because there's no point to this if they're gonna prioritize hockey over everything else. They need to lose the rest of these hockey games. Uh, I, I, and there's nothing really more to be said. I, I, I just wanted no. to get that, get that in there no. uh, to d- discuss the, how ab- abhorrent this has been for the NHL, Chicago Blackhawks, everybody. And, and more needs to be discussed about it. Uh, it's just a matter of how much more and in, more information we're, we're going to get out of it. That's it's, really it, what this really what it is. It's a cultural thing too. Like people have to realize that there, there are limits to what you do. And that's why, you know, not, I, I'm not trying to compare apples to apples with the, you know, with the Gruden situation, the Kate situation with this is like, those are acts that people made. You need to be held accountable for because it's wrong in the first place. This is make the fact that it's not wrong. It's the fact that you deliberately covered it up. The fact that you should Stan Bowman should never be able to be able to do anything in NHL capacity again. Same with Joel Quenville. And frankly, if you really want to show how much you are, 
you remove them both from the 2010 team thing, both of them from the Stanley Cup. Like, yeah, you got to yeah, deserve agree. that award because you ruined somebody's life with that. Like, that's the kind of penalty I'm talking about here. Like, sorry, like you're not trying to cancel people. That's not a cancel culture type thing. That is something where you're holding them accountable and saying, look, you ruined a kid's life. He didn't get to achieve the dreams he wanted to achieve because you're more concerned about winning this. But guess what? You're no longer a part of this. You can't yeah. have your name on the cup anymore. Get yeah. them all off. Get him off. Get Quenville off. Get Bowman off. Aldridge off. Get uh, did, uh, Quenville off. Get them all off. I don't care about 20, 2013 and 2015. I do, but I don't. But you want to see something? Yeah, I mean, that's the yeah. only thing. Like, what do you do? Because they were obviously on the team in 2013 and 2015. They're Yeah, Rip them I, all off. You yeah. ruined a man's life because you thought that was more important. And if that's more important to you, then rip them all off. You know, I do yeah. care about 2013-15. Scratch them off. Get them off the cup. That's that's a disgrace to not just hockey but humanity. And frankly, things have got to change with that. People have to understand that if something happens, you can't sit on it. You have to make sure it gets taken care of. That's what that's what you do. That's how you treat people. You don't treat people as objects are focused on a freaking trophy because you haven't won one in fifty years and you have a chance to. No, you should have focused on that human being. Should have taken care of it. It should have been done. And I'm done talking about this because it just pisses me off even more. All right, let's let's get out of it. Let's let's close off with some exciting stuff. I mean, this is this is one of the coolest things that and I apologies if you're listening and I so abruptly transitioned. There's no other way to transition out of it. I'm just no. going to transition out of it. Uh November 15th. I I'm not usually a big alumni reunion game, whatever it may be. The 2012 year when they did the uh Winter Classic against the Rangers was a little different cuz it was obviously the first one at the Bank Park. Uh, Rick Tockett and Paul Holmgren are obviously going to the Flyers Hall of Fame this season on November 16th. Uh, ironically, just be- not ironically, but just before the second game of the season uh, against Calgary. The night before is their annual alumni game. Now, no, like I said, normally I'm just like, eh, whatever. I don't care. This is one of the most stacked and most yeah. uh, amazing put together alumni games. You have everyone from Donald Prashear, Eric Lindros, John LeClaire, Danny Briere, and Scott Hartnell, and everybody in between from the 80s, some 70s. I, I, I don't know if Bernie's playing. I didn't see his name on the roster. I met, He's usually involved somehow, somehow because he's like an official ambassador, basically, for this team at this point. But this is, I mean... This is awesome, and it's all d- charity money going to the Flyers' wives charities and the Flyers' alumni charities. Like this is this is really cool, and and, and uh, like we said on episode eighty eight of the Flyers uh, of our podcast with with Eric Lindros. I mean, who better to have than Eric Lindros? I mean, it, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah, the fact that Lindros and Leclerc will be two thirds of the Legion of Doom again. You know, I saw them in person at the uh, twenty twelve alumni game. Um, we went with a couple of mutual friends of ours, uh, Mike, Mike and Dave. Yeah. And uh, we had a blast. We were at the very top row of it, of the field. But seeing him, seeing Bernie make the save on Ron Duguay. And, you know, I, I on a personal note, I got to see I got to see John Van Beezer play. Never got to see him play active, but I had to see him when he were after that. It was just see him go against the Legion of Doom was one of the coolest things. Two thirds yeah. of Legion of Doom. And then Lindros scored on him there. It just. It's awesome to see that. I love when the older guys get there because you know what the thing is too. What makes it more fun is that they still you can still see the skill there. Like they can't play at a pro level. Yes, they, 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 they still, still have the handles. The yeah, they still have the skill. And the most the coolest part about it is they're having fun with it. Like they're just they're, they they get competitive enough to where they have fun and chuckle about it. And it feel it, it's almost like a more advanced or more organized pickup hockey game. Yeah, like we, yeah. you and I have played a yeah. pickup hockey game over the years. I mean. Yeah. It's kind of just like a disorganized mess. It's almost like toddlers skating around with sticks yep. in their hands. This is obviously just former pros playing yep. pickup hockey, yep. which is incredible. Like it's it, it, it's so cool. And we should we should do that again this year. I know we talked about oh, yeah, it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, we used to have those games up in the northeast where we used to go and have a have a blast with a bunch of people and just play out there for hours during the day. We should totally do that again. No, I'm always down for that. That was always a fun year. We did that it last was. year, but it was only just you and I and a couple other buddies. It wasn't yeah. a full, full yeah. squad of players. We uh, got to get the full squad back up there. Maybe we could do something where you know people can come out and play with us. We'll host an open, an open event thing, and you know I can 
you know, people can take their best shot of scoring against me. Won't happen, That'd be but, cool. You know, yeah. yeah if you're, fun. if you are interested in that, shoot us an email, orange backcheck at gmail.com. We'd love to get that organized. If you want to come, we usually do it up in uh, the Fox chase area, the Northeast Philadelphia. There's a playground right there that I think is just a Fox chase playground. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. but I'll yeah. get the exact, uh, but shoot us an email. If you're really interested, it, it's literally any skill level. Me, who's I'm less than an amateur. I'm 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 terrible. I would I can, agree with that. Oh, thank you, thank you. And then there's <laughs> the, the guys that pretend to think that they can play in their beer league in Scott Weinhart uh, to that level. I mean, if you want to play, if if you're interested in playing some hockey with us, shoot us an email, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. I I'm serious. We should do that sometime in January. Yeah. I think yeah, that would totally. be cool because that's usually I mean, when we do it. It'd be a blast, man. It'd be a blast just to get out here a bunch of people that you know but listen to the pod or whatnot and just have their chance just to play a game of hockey, man. We can have that's just much fun of the alumni game, you know? Yeah. So, but this is, this is what makes the Flyers so special, right? Like it, it, you always, you, you, we mocked the last, I don't know, mocks a strong word, but like we got, I, I guess like stagnant on, in the last couple of years of the Ed Snyder years and no disrespect to him, rest his soul. But like you felt like the organization was getting stagnant towards the end. Obviously they made that playoff push right before his death. But I mean, Ever since then, the team has just felt very level and not making any moves. But always, every year, uh, that 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 alumni game brought people together, and you brought yeah. it, it. Just felt like a family organization, no matter how bad it got for this team. You also saw the fly with the Flyers Wives Carnival. That's a yearly tradition. Obviously, twenty twenty screwed that a little bit up, but everything's returning back to normal. People are getting vaccinated. People are getting immunity and all this other stuff. And it's like. This is where we should be, and it's and it's nice that they're doing a full blown thing of of alumni hockey to honor Rick Tockett and 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 Paul Holmgren. So this yep. is going to be a cool event, uh, November fifteenth. Uh, I believe you can buy tickets now if you're interested. And again, all of that money goes to their Flyers uh, charity systems of uh, the Alumni Charity Association. So that's that's really really cool I, two for weeks sure. From tonight, two weeks from yeah. Tonight. All right, so that is going to do it for this week of Orange and Backcheck, episode 90, 10 away. I cannot wait. I, I hope uh, our, our good buddy, Matt Davies, who's running our social media networks, is able to surprise us because he said he's going to try and pull a surprise for you and I and the, the listening audience on our episode 100. So hopefully he comes through. Not to put pressure on you, Matt, if you're listening, but the pressure's on. Thank you so much for listening. Orange and Backcheck. <laughs> What's that? You better be listening. <laughs> uh, Orange and Backcheck at gmail.com. Let us know if you're interested in January organizing a hockey thing. Uh, again, all skill levels. It literally does not matter. Just wait till you see the skates that I have. They're basically rollerblades from the 1990s. Like, it's fine if you're not the, if you're not good. Don't you have the click things? You have the I click do. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The notches. Yeah. 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 That's the one doesn't he have the break thing at the back? Like I don't I don't know what I'm doing. Great. It's awesome. Yeah, great. it's great. great. You're gonna break your make your cockics again. That's what you're gonna do. Exactly. Uh, orange and backcheck at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Orange and backcheck. Links are in the description below. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Go Flyers. Martin Jones does not suck.